since we're talking about the creativity of performance, everything that comes and happens on stage or with the audience is part of the creative process. And it's almost like the real creativity begins when something goes off script. <laughs> Hello, welcome to Emerging Form. I'm Christy Ashwanden. And I'm Rosemary Watola Tromer, and this is a podcast on creative process. And I'm especially excited today about our show because we're bringing in someone whose career I've gotten to watch take off enormously mm. in the last decade. So, so you've known her for 10 years. That's fantastic. Our guest, Emily Scott Robinson, and I met 10 years ago when she was taking a writing class with me. A day, you know, it was a poem a day class mm-hmm. and uh, at the AHA school in this little teeny little attic in the dark <laughs> of winter up at, uh, at the AHA school. And, uh, and I remember just thinking, this, this gal has got it. And then I've heard her perform so many times locally, but now she travels all over the globe. This year, she's, you know, she's all over Scandinavia and she's all over wow. Europe and she's just, she's knocking it out of the park. It's thrilling to see someone, you know, just like, I feel like I, I, I like I'm her mom, you know, <laughs> like I just, I'm all proud of her, but, you know, she, oh. and, and the thing I love about her among many other things, is how she brings her heart to her performance and mm-hmm. how you feel as an audience member so taken care of when she's mm-hmm. on stage. And mm-hmm. so I asked her, you know, could we talk about performance and the creativity mm-hmm. of performance? She was all over it. <laughs> oh, that's great. And I just want to say, isn't there something just so special and wonderful about seeing someone you really care about, like go out into the world and succeed like that? I mean, yeah. you saw this kernel of, of talent that she had and to just be standing back and watching it develop. That's just such a gratifying feeling, isn't it? Yes. Well, she does all the work and I just, yeah. watch, <laughs> right, just right. watch her take off. It's inspiring. Yeah, it's inspiring. It, it makes you think, wow, that that happens. That can happen. And to watch <laughs> right? her devotion and uh, yeah. watch her hard work. And oh, wonderful. Well, tell us more about Emily. She has over a quarter million miles under her belt oh, <laughs> and wow. counting. Uh, and she's a singer songwriter who has received critical acclaim for her debut album, Traveling Mercies. Rolling Stone named it one of the 40 best country and Americana albums of 2019. And in 2021, she signed with Oh Boy Records, the label founded by legendary John Prine, and released her follow up album, American Siren, which made numerous best of 2021 lists, including NPR. Rolling Stone, American songwriter. And in 2022, she released a collaboration for theater called Built on Bones, a song cycle written for the witches of Shakespeare's Macbeth, which our family absolutely loved listening to her. (laughs) Uh, I just want to say this. The Washington Post says Robinson's voice was all honey and uplift. I just feel like that kind of nailed it. Let's bring her on. Welcome to Emerging Form, Emily. Thank you. It's so good to be here with you both. I'm just so excited to nerd out with you and talk. (laughs) (laughs) That's perfect. Well, my first question for you is this, and I think a lot of people think I could never get up on stage and do what Emily does. Does it come naturally for you? So... 
this is such a, it does now. It does now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but I, I took baby steps to that place. I started performing when I was in high school. I started singing at like little high school open mic nights and talent shows and coffee houses. And so um, when I started to figure out the sort of power that one has when one is on stage. (laughs) Uh Right. Um, And how much I loved that, (laughs) how much I enjoy the process of like being seen and seeing an audience and, and, and connecting with them and telling stories. Um, I fell Mm -hmm. in love with it. And generally I would say it comes really naturally to me as a songwriting, as a performing songwriter. However, I, I used to play the, the clarinet for like years um, <sighs> in in middle and high school and college. And I didn't really like the clarinet and I hated performing on the clarinet. Interesting. I hated uh-huh. it. I got so nervous, but I don't get nervous when I'm, when I'm on, on stage now. Uh, it does come pretty naturally mm-hmm. to me. I feel lucky for that. That's so interesting. And do you think that's because, you know, you really have your groove with your songwriting and the, the work you're doing now? I mean, I, I, also played clarinet, but I pay, played clarin- clarinet in like sixth grade and eighth grade, and, and, and I was horrible. And uh, and I sort of hated it for a different reason, which is that it just was never really my thing. And I mean, do you think it's sort of a matter of really feeling like you're inhabiting like the world that feels good to you? One hundred percent, one hundred percent. It's like I'm there on my own terms, and I I think mm-hmm. in terms of building confidence. I mean, first of all, it's starting with the fact that I I am sharing something that's come from me. um, And Mm -hmm. uh, over the years, when things have, quote, gone wrong, and I don't think Uh that there's really anything that can fully go wrong on stage because everything is part of it. It's really fun when you start to look at it that way. But um, I have... Wait, I just want to stop there for a second. I love that attitude. Like, nothing can go wrong. I feel like... That is such a fantastic attitude. I love it that. Really I really want to embrace that. Like, you know, um, <laughs> Rosemary and I did these TEDx talks some years ago. Yeah. Uh, we both at the same event. And anyway, um, she she's a fantastic performer and does a lot of this. I do a lot of speaking, but I don't do a lot where I've like memorized stuff. And like halfway through, I completely spaced. I just like for a moment, I lost it. And I was like, oh, my God. Like, I'm, what am I doing? Like, where am I? And then I came back and like, it was, it was, I don't want to say it was fun. Like to me, I was horrified and like, I, I won't watch the film or whatever. And of course my dear friends are so sweet and they say, oh, you couldn't tell. Like, when was that? I didn't notice. And of course, you it know, was so that's fine because they're my friends. But I love this attitude of just like, hey, it's okay. Like whatever happens, you just, you just go with it. I I think that's a great attitude. I'd like to cultivate that. (laughs) Completely. And it's sometimes actually, since we're talking about the creativity of performance, Uh everything that comes and happens on stage or with the audience is part of the creative process. And it's almost like the real creativity begins when something goes off script. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, That's so true. That is so right. Now you're you're on. Now it's it's spontaneous and you're Happening. Completely. Um, and it and it pulls you like out of your ego and out of your plan. Mm-hmm. And it reminds you, I I mean, I, I realize I'm just sort of going going off into my whole theory and performing, but to me, the thing that an audience most wants to see is 
your human self, not your shiny self. Yeah, exactly. And so it's nice to walk out on stage and you're prepared to be your shiny self and then have really human moments because those are the moments that, that people will remember forever and they will feel the most connected to you when that happens. Oh, that is so true. And I think also, you know, as a performer, what makes it so magical and so gratifying, right, is that connection to the audience. And and those human moments really make that possible in a way. Like if someone's too polished, right, it just mm-hmm. doesn't, it feels like that connection doesn't come because they're reciting something versus connecting and being really present in the moment. I, I like that insight a lot. Completely, completely. It's all about connection. And, um, yeah. you know, Rose. Mary did her, just did a beautiful book release performance, uh, just like, was it last week down at the Sherbonneau in in Ridgeway and Rosemary at the end of the night, I just, I came up to you and I said, you know, you're just such a masterful performer because what you understand most is that it's about connecting with the audience and about being willing to be seen, um, and also seeing uh, and I, I once had a mentor, uh, a songwriting mentor and performance mentor named Amy Spies, who's who came from a theater background. And she said to us, um, you know, performing is a service industry job. And when you walk out on stage. Yeah, it was so interesting. I love this wow. approach. This like changed my performance style. Uh-huh. And she said, um, what you don't realize when you're beginning, you 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 don't realize that the audience is just desperate to be seen by you. They want to be seen. Mm. Even if they don't know it, they want you to see them and recognize them. That's what this connection is about. And when I encounter performers, because I've performed with all kinds of different people, and just because people are in the same business that I am in does not mean they have the same perspective at all on it. Right. <laughs> yeah, um, sure. I'm sure you've discovered this in the world of writing. Yes. Um, and I often notice there's a really, like, there's a totally, you can feel it in your body. There's like a somatic difference. Um, when you see a performer walk out on stage And the most important thing to them is being perfect or looking good Mm -hmm. or being polished because they are not giving, they're taking, Mm -hmm. they need the audience to see them as perfect. They need, they need to do it perfectly in order to feel okay about themselves in order to fill that Mm -hmm. hole. And it's, that is an addiction that can never be met fully. Um, Mm -hmm. and it, and I think it makes people really insecure and, uh, it's not like the audience will necessarily have a bad time, but they, yeah. they won't have the same experience as they will when a musician comes out and says, here I am, here we are. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's just, a, it's like a, it's like a genetic yeah. difference <laughs> in performing. Right. Well, that other approach kind of creates a distance, doesn't yes. it? Because the performer is saying, I'm here, I'm perfect. You know, you watch me. I think, you know, 
Rosemary is one of the most incredible performers I've ever seen, but I think I love embarrassing you like this, Rosemary. I I will never be able to fully pay you back for the way we met. So so you can take this. Um, But I really think that so much of the power of her performances come from the fact that she always brings her vulnerable self and she puts her vulnerable self out there. And when she walks out on stage, she is all there. She's not hiding. She's, it's so genuine. And I think, I think you're so right, Emily, that's really where that connection comes from. That's why people so easily connect with her. And it sounds like the same is true for you too. I need to go to one of your concerts now. (laughs) You do. You really do need to see her perform. It's something super special and you know it. It's like you say, Emily, you know, at the minute that person walks on stage, which kind of performer you're going to have. I've never thought of this before, how the audience wants to be seen. What a beautiful Mm -hmm. noticing on your teacher's part. How do you actually do that then? How do you let an audience know, I see you? Mm. I think, I think a part of it is, uh, is a conversation with the audience. It's responding Mm -hmm. to the way the audience is feeling. Um, and it's responding to their responsiveness. Um, and so one thing I like to tell my audiences sometimes, depending on how buttoned up the audiences that I'm playing for, uh-huh. is I like to encourage them after a couple songs. I said, I love an audience that will talk back to me. <laughs> <laughs> um, and, uh, nice. and so the number one thing actually I do is I, I physically look at audience members. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, and this can be easier or harder depending on the level of stage light versus house light. Sure. But um, I meet people's eyes. I meet them mm-hmm. in their gaze. And the same performer, uh, the same mentor of mine said, you know, if it's possible, keep your eyes open when you're performing and look at people. Because mm-hmm. when you close your eyes and... It, now, some artists have just aren't able to do that, and that's okay. But when you close your eyes, you shut off and you create a bit of a wall. You're going inside mm-hmm. yourself rather than connecting with people and telling a story. Sometimes if something is a little too emotional for me, I will look towards the back of the room, but it will look like I'm still looking at the audience. Mm-hmm. Um, so I physically look at them and I respond to them and I will sometimes ask open-ended questions um, Mm. and they don't necessarily have to answer, but, um, and then I will sometimes, I'll change my setup in the middle of the, in the middle of the set. Cause I, I go in with the set list and I, I take a lot of joy in crafting the set list because I know that um, one of the questions you sent me, Rosemary, is how do I keep it fresh? Telling stories and and singing the same songs and telling a lot of the same stories each night. And one of them is that I have to kind of fuck with myself. (laughs) (laughs) Uh And I have to throw something in there that's a little bit of a fastball so I don't get bored. Um, And I will often, sometimes if I'm playing a band much playing with a band, much to their chagrin, I'll turn around to the band and go, uh, I know the set list says we're going to do this next, but actually you're going to walk off stage and I'm going to play a solo song and tell a story. And then you're going to come back on and we're going to do something (laughs) different. It just keeps, it keeps it fresh. I'm paying attention to the energy in the room. And in some Mm -hmm. ways I'm trying to take care of the audience, right? If I, if I have, I'm very intentional about how I, um, and you were like this, Rosemary, as you selected the poems that you read the other night, it's very important 
to give people humor and levity and mm-hmm. sweetness and then to bring the heavier or more vulnerable or more painful uh, songs or poems into the set thin and then bring it sure. back up, right? <laughs> um, and so I think just in some ways on a physical level, but also on a spiritual level, I'm trying to see mm-hmm. the audience and connect with mm-hmm. them. Um, and on a songwriting level, in storytelling, it's, yeah. yeah. So I have a question. So I love what you said earlier about, you know, there are no mistakes, you know, whatever happens on stage. But I wonder, you know, can you tell us about an experience? You know, surely I know you're amazing, but you've probably had a bad night or or a time when, you know, you went out and things weren't landing. Like, how do you sort of recenter and how do you sort of go with that flow? Can you just walk us through what that looks like? How do you how do you deal with it when things, you know, you're not feeling that connection right away or the energy's weird or, you know, you feel like you've been thrown off a little bit. Because I think we've all had that experience where you think you're prepared, but then it's like, oh, wait, this wasn't what I was expecting, right? Completely. Um, So there's two different things. There's two different ways I'll respond to this because Mm -hmm. the first way is sometimes something very human happens and I just try to interject comedy into it. Mm -hmm. So (laughs) I was playing a show down in Houston maybe a year ago or a year and a half ago. I think it was a year ago. And they were having a heat wave in Texas. And I did not know this, but the governor of Texas, in order to keep the power grids working, had told every establishment that they could not turn their air conditioning below like 75 degrees. So Hmm. I get to a venue down in Houston, lovely venue, and I sound check and there's these great, nice old school, very hot stage lights. And I, uh-huh. and I, and I, I know I'm hungry before the show, but it's an early show. And so I'm like, okay, I'm just going to eat this little protein bar. I'm going to drink some coffee and I'll be okay. And I get on stage and after three songs, <laughs> I, I feel my blood sugar crushing. Like, oh no, I literally am like, I might pass out on this stage. It's hot in here. It was totally a solo show. Um, and I, I literally was like, what do I do? (laughs) (laughs) Oh my God, that sounds horrible. (laughs) And so, cause I, that's never happened to me before. So anyways, what I, (laughs) (laughs) I also was wearing a very short dress on stage, which was kind of like not a great idea because if I'd fallen Um, over, you know, everybody would have seen my dress. And I was like, well, okay. (laughs) So after three or four songs, I just engaged the audience in helping me. And I laughed and I said, hey, everybody. Um, So for some reason, I did not eat enough today. And I feel like I'm going to pass out. But I really want to keep playing the show. So you audience member over there, will you bring me a chair? Because I'm going to sit down and like, hey, will somebody (laughs) get me a Coke, like a regular Coke from the back? at the bar, just a Coke, just like full sugar. And then a woman was like, I have glucose tablets. And she brought me glucose tablets. (laughs) And we did it all together. I brought them into the process of rescuing Uh the show and rescuing me physically. Um, And I sat down and I recovered and I was able to finish the show. So I think that humor and levity is really Mm. an incredible tool and I use it all the time. And then the second thing that sometimes happens is that I walk out 
on stage, and this sometimes happens if I'm playing at a festival or I'm playing at a, a, a big opening show for an artist whose fans may have some crossover, but may not be fully engaged in, in what I'm doing and who I am. Mm-hmm. And it's not super my wheelhouse. It's like a little bit my wheelhouse, but not super. And uh, uh-huh. I will be playing to a big group of people and 90% of them are talking or drinking beers or back at the bar or like, you know, and I'm this like pour your heart out songwriter. And so, um, I adjust, I will adjust my set a little bit to be a little lighter and more upbeat. I'll still interject a slower or sad song. Um, Mm -hmm. and then I will find a couple people to anchor into in the audience Mm -hmm. and they are always there. There's always a group of people standing up front, listening to every single word. And Mm -hmm. I will play to them. And I will remember that, um, you know, it's not like, it's my job to perform. It's not my job to have my ego fed every night. This is Mm -hmm. part of paying my dues. Sometimes those gigs pay really well, but they don't have a super dedicated audience. And Mm -hmm. I go, okay, Focus on connecting with who you can connect with so you have a strong performance. And I try to just breathe. But in moments like that, I feel in my body, I feel my nervous system just go mm-hmm. like, like, it's like I'm <laughs> second guessing everything I'm doing and I get tighter <laughs> on stage. And I will generally have this perception that I'm not doing a good job. And I'll, mm-hmm. then I'll walk off stage and... I'll listen to videos later from the show and it sounds great and it looks great. And I've connected with the people that were really listening. And for the rest of the folks, it was background music and that's okay. I don't need to be like the president in a moment like that, you know? Right. <laughs> well, here's something I just noticed from the things you've been saying. And that is, it seems as though you're almost approaching this as though your performance is a collaboration mm-hmm, with the mm-hmm. audience. And so you're in that moment and you're like, okay, I can't work with everyone here, but who are my collaborators? Who are my people? Who's going to work with me? Who's going to lift this up, right? Oh yeah, completely. That's exactly Mm -hmm. right. And I think that makes the audience feel seen and makes those folks feel seen. And um, I also love to, I'm still at the point, right, where I'm doing really well in my music career, but I have... um, people can connect with me directly on Twitter and Instagram and Facebook and they can send me direct messages and those come mm-hmm. to me. I still manage all of that. And when somebody says, oh my gosh, you're coming to play in Minneapolis and this one song that means everything to me and it helped me through the pandemic, it would mm-hmm. mean so much to me if you played it. And I will make a note in my like tour calendar to play that song and dedicate it to that person. Um, oh, that's so sweet. Love- that's really great. Then everyone <laughs> yeah. feels seen too, yes. right? If you make yeah. one Completely. person feel seen, yeah. then yeah. you can make everyone feel like, oh, she gets us. Totally. <laughs> that's so beautiful. Yeah. Rosemary, yeah. That I've never thought about it that way, but that's exactly right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Thanks for listening to Emerging Form. Paid subscribers have access to all our bonus episodes. For instance, next week you can hear Emily talk about the benefits of stepping away from the work for a bit, procrastination, and how she knows a song is finished. 
To become a paid subscriber, go to emergingform.substack.com. And if you're enjoying the podcast, please take a moment to leave us a review on iTunes so that other people can discover us too. Thanks. You know, I want to go back to something you said earlier about you inviting them. And I love this. I'm totally stealing it. (laughs) Steal it. (laughs) I like it. I like it when an audience talks back to me. It is thrilling. It is thrilling when it happens, except when it isn't, which is when... (laughs) Which also happens. (laughs) which, Which also happens, you know, and I can think of two ways. And I just wonder, talking to the creativity of the moment, how do you meet these two kinds of moments? Number one, where you get someone who doesn't stop talking. <laughs> and number two, uh, I have you been heckled? Okay. So I've never, I've never been heckled in like a mean way. Never. Uh-huh. And wait, there's, there's, there's kind heckling. Well, absolutely. I think there is for sure. Like, like that, that was right there. <laughs> yeah. Like, a, like, Case a joke, in point, Christy. like a funny, like, like if I make a joke and somebody in the audience sort of responds with like, uh, like a play on that joke, like, you mm-hmm. know, just something like I, I have this intro to a song. It's called the pie song. It's about the ingredients to make your own pie crust. And uh, it's a song about really baking for somebody who doesn't love you. And it's a broken hearted country <laughs> song. And I have this kind of funny banter into it. And sometimes the audience will respond with funny banter back, which I love. And I think that's like light heckling. But mm. I have had, I had this one. So my number one rule is that the, at, uh, one of my number one rules is the thing that you never really want to resort to as a performer, which is being mean or alienating an audience member. Yeah. Um, and so, or, or a sound engineer or somebody working <laughs> for the venue. Um, mm-hmm. We're all in this together. But one time I played this show in Nashville. It was at Americana Fest. It was this is a festival where it's, it takes place all over Nashville and all these amazing venues and also some dive bars. And you have 30 minutes to play your set. And the room was packed. This is like, I had just signed my record deal. The room was full of people and you have to buy like a hundred dollar wristband for the whole week and you can go to any show. So it's a pretty good deal. But for some reason, this venue had let people pay at the door to come in off the street. And this venue was right off of Broadway, which is a huge tourist destination. And everybody just gets super wasted on Broadway yeah. and goes and listens to what they perceive to be country music. Um, so somehow a group of four or five people who were clearly not there for the festival had paid to come in the door and they'd come all the way to the front of the room. Oh, no. And they talked super loud. They were really drunk. They talked super loudly all through my first song. And I I felt my whole body, because I'd worked so hard. I'd put together a band. I'd rehearse these songs. I felt my whole body. I was like sweating. I was like, how will I deal with this? How will I confront them? Is anybody next to them going to ask them to be quiet? People are generally polite. They don't want to be confrontational. How do I take care of myself? And how do I take care of my fans? in this moment, Mm -hmm. because all these people are here for this. And I, I decided to be really honest and really vulnerable. And after that first song, I said, Hey friends, uh, the, the ones who are right here up front. Yes. I, I'm, um, I want you to know 
that I'm a working musician and I spent hours, I spent years writing these songs and hours practicing with my band. And I have 30 minutes to play tonight and share my heart and my songs with all the people in this room. And everybody here came to listen. And I don't know if you realized that that's what this is. So if you would like to talk during the songs, I just kindly ask that you go to the back of the room and stand by the back of the bar and please, and please just have a nice night back there. And I was so nervous. I mean, I was almost like, I I almost feel like I'm going to cry just relaying that story, but it felt very Mm -hmm. powerful, but honest in that moment, I was very kind and the entire audience broke out in applause. I was just going to say, I bet they started clapping. (laughs) I was so, and then like the the drunk kids up front were like, who? Like they just, they didn't even know. They're like, (laughs) they were so unaware. So I was trying not to be angry at them, but then like somebody just gently took them to the back and then they just left because it was clearly not their scene. Awesome. It was really powerful. And so I think saying like, I've worked so hard and this means so much to me. Would you please Mm. be respectful? Uh, It it was like suddenly I had the whole audience on my side. and On your side. Yeah, it was amazing without being mean. And I have seen Mm. and heard stories of performers being mean. And believe me, I understand why they go there. (laughs) I really do. Oh, don't we all. (laughs) But it's it's like something you can't really come back from once you do on stage. Like, it's it's a bit... It can be rough. So <laughs> what a yeah. gorgeous impulse that was, Emily. Thanks. Yeah. To to go to the heart space with yeah. it. Yeah. It's such a vulnerable thing. And you're so right in that moment. You engaged the hearts of every person in that room, yeah. except perhaps the four drunk people who, <laughs> right? who, who who didn't have the capacity for it. But then, but then you had all the help you needed. Yeah. All right, and then and now let's go to the person who I guess in some ways this is the person who won't stop talking. But like especially if you ask a question and somebody's like, blah, 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 does, has, do you have another way you've handled that? I that is still I. I don't have a tool for that other than sort of ignoring them. I have mm. had, I remember I played a show in Seattle and I had this guy who, it was almost like he was really unaware. It was almost like it was a show just for him. And he was just talking back to me at every point. <laughs> oh, no. And I was like, oh no, <laughs> oh no, I have to rein this back in. <laughs> because uh-huh. all the people around him were like, come on, man, you got to. Like, shut up now. So sometimes Uh I say to the audience, I love our audience talks back to me. And then sometimes I regret it. (laughs) Uh So um, I think he just eventually understood and stopped talking back. I also stopped Mm -hmm. asking open-ended questions of the audience. (laughs) Learned your lesson, huh? Yes, completely, completely. It doesn't happen often, but sometimes there are people there. And usually alcohol kind of gets people. Oh, yeah. to that mm-hmm. more yeah. uninhibited space and yeah <laughs> and then yeah. it's hard hard to control from there yeah oh emily this has been fabulous it was even more than i hoped it would be this is i'm just fabulous. so grateful for some of your insights um and the practical ways yeah that you 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 know put them into the world but i think even more impressed i am with your heart Thank you. So beautiful. Thanks. I I love I love the work I do. I love 
performing and connecting with people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I just feel really lucky that I, that I can make a living doing this thing that I love so much. And um, yeah, I think if you're somebody out there who's, who's performing or starting just understanding and it takes time, it takes time to feel this comfortable in your own Mm -hmm. body on stage, but just know that um, the most valuable thing you can bring is who you are at your essence, exactly as you are honesty and truth um, and connection. Those are really, that's really the, um, the good medicine of shared art. (laughs) What a, what a beautiful and uplifting lesson. Thank you for sharing it, Emily. You're so welcome. It's nice talking with you today. I love you both so much. This Uh, is a joy. (laughs) Thank you. If you want to bake a pie first, you make the crust, never skimp on butter. It'll turn out tough Rhubarb from the garden Cinnamon and clove A cup of Dixie sugar A little moonshine in the door But nothing you can make Can make you good enough If you're cooking for a man Who doesn't love you been listening to Emerging Form. This is Rosemary Watola-Tromer, and my co-host is science writer Christy Ashwanden. Our fabulous audio producer is Leah Shaw. Our music is created and performed by Kira Kopostansky and edited by Leah Shaw. Kate LaRue designed our logo. Jack Mueller, of course, inspired our work and the name of this podcast. As he always said, you must obey the poem's emerging form. Until next time. Thanks for listening to Emerging Form. Did you know that for just a few bucks a month, you can become a paid subscriber and get bonus episodes every other week? Go to emergingform.substack.com to sign up. And if you really want to help us out, leave us a review on iTunes. Thanks for listening.